0: Happy New Year, Steven. Happy New Year, Brando. 2024. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, like 2024 sounded so far out in the distance. Like, thought we were going to be living like the Jetsons. Yeah. And um, I realized this this last week traveling. Uh, it's 2024 and you can't unpress an elevator button. Like once you push a floor, you're locked into that floor. <laughs> that should have been fixed yeah. by now. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> well, maybe we can work on that in 2025. But hey... It- New year, good to be back. Good to be back in studio. Um, big week here in Missoula. Yeah. National championship coming up this weekend. Your Montana Grizzlies against the San Diego, San Diego, South Dakota State University Jackrabbits. Yeah. Is that right? Jackrabbits. The, the bunnies as the, we call them. The bunnies. Um, so yeah, big, big week.
1: Yeah. It, man, this has been a fun Christmas season with obviously christmas is awesome obviously we're in the full swing of basketball season i love that but just the the town the community it feels like the 90s and early 2000s again in missoula where everybody's jacked on grizzly football it's alive and there's unity like everybody Mm -hmm. we are all on the same team right now it feels like montana is where it's supposed to be again the bobcats aren't playing we're playing and ndsu is not very good so Order has been restored. It's 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 great. Sorry, Nick, I had to throw that yeah, in there. But we got a tough one this
0: weekend. Um, but I believe I believe we've got a shot. And in today's episode, our guest actually makes a prediction for the outcome of the game. So you wanna be sure to listen to the whole episode and get his prediction at the end. But yeah, Steven, tell
1: us a little bit about our, about our guest. This is, and probably because I played receiver when I was a young buck, not in college, but my favorite player. One of my favorite players, certainly, Samuel Akem. He was a legend, always found himself in the end zone. So strong, so big. He played some great football for many years. And the cool thing about it, and what we'll get into this in, in this episode, is he's still as fired up about gross football yeah. as when he was playing. And he loves Missoula. He loves this community. And you can just see it. He's just a joy to be around. He was so grateful what an excellent interview oh
0: he's such a magnetic personality you just want to hang out with him and be friends with him uh I'm a huge fan of Sammy I, I was four or five years ago when he stepped onto the field for the first time but even now getting to know him better hearing his story Samuel Akim number 18 Montana Grizzly super cool dude he's got an amazing story great conversation with Steve and I take a listen All right, Samuel, Sam, Sammy, (laughs) first question for you. Is it more nerve-wracking being on the field playing in a big game or being a fan in the stands watching the big game? Man,
2: 10 times over a fan in the stands. You know, I, I said this on Twitter. As a player, you have a certain amount of impact that you can make on the game. And obviously, I'm a receiver, so... You know, the quarterback plays a part in that the offensive line. Everybody has to work together for a place to work. But I have an impact. I can make catches. I can make plays when they come my way. As a fan in the stands, I'm just hoping these guys execute, hoping these guys play to their best ability. And thank God they have all season. You know, it's been amazing to watch. But 10 times over as a fan, it's way more stressful. How nervous were you in overtime the North Dakota State game? Man, my nerves were up when they made overtime. And then when they scored on the first play overtime, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, what is going on out here? So my nerves were were out over over the top. I I can't even explain.
0: Well, dude, we're so grateful you're here. Um, uh, I I want to hear your story. I love to get to know you deeper. Um, let's go back to the very beginning. Um, who's Sammy? How'd you get into football? Where are you from? How'd you end up in Montana? Tell us a little bit about you, man. So I'm from Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. A lot of people might not know Broken Arrow,
2: Tulsa, Oklahoma okay. is where I'm originally from. The well suburb, Broken Arrow, but I say Tulsa because a lot of people don't know the Oklahoma area. Um, man, I went to the biggest high school in Oklahoma. Um, my graduating class was like 1,100, dang. and I know people from Montana. Dang, like <laughs> uh, people from Montana are like, "Wow, this guy." I mean, that's bigger than a lot of people's high schools out right. here in Montana. So you know, a, a, definitely a culture shock when I came out here. But um, I start. I really started playing football and. I'll even say sports because of my brother, you know my brother was a four star athlete um he's like been six foot since like fifth grade. He's just always bigger, stronger, faster than everybody, had offers from everywhere, and you know he was a great athlete, and I always wanted to be like him, I always wanted to chase after him, and you know obviously, I had my own love for the game, which developed over time, but I think originally it was just like me chasing after my brother and me wanting to be like him and um eventually found my own love and found my own way in the game and realized. I'd say kind of late, probably my sophomore or junior year that I had a little bit of talent. And, you know, I went to a few camps in high school, tried to get some offers, didn't really get much traction and ended up getting one offer from Montana. And, you know, it blossomed into what it is today. How did they find you? So my brother um, went to Oklahoma State. Um, Brady Walls, who was my offensive coordinator um, in high school. He coached with Coach Seymour, I believe at TU or somewhere they had coached previously together. And my brother, Coach Seymour, had helped recruit my brother to Oklahoma State where he eventually committed to. And um, Coach Seymour was now, during 2015, when I was getting uh, recruited by Montana, Coach Seymour was now at um, Montana as the DC. So he was recruiting our area. The connection was made between Walls and being my OC and then formerly knowing my brother who was a four-star. So they gave me the offer, which honestly was not, Like, they really took a whim on me because, you know, back in – I got recruited by Coach Stitt, if you guys remember the Stitt offense. Um, I got recruited to play tight end, the stand-up H position. So Bingham – gosh, I'm blanking on some of the guys' names. McKenna um What's his name? Mitch Roberts' brother. Ben Roberts. Ben Ben Roberts. Roberts, You know, that position. They wanted me to play that position. Well, it was my freshman year that, you know, um, I got uh, freshman – what is it called? Scout Team Player of the Year. And they realized that I, you know, had some athleticism and that I could probably play all the receiver positions. What so, would you play in high school? Uh, receiver. I played receiver. Okay. But I kind of played inside, outside. You know, sure. I played them all in high school. But I did a lot of blocking on my junior film. So, you know, Coach Seymour saw that, thought that I could fit the H position. I was bigger, taller. Um, they didn't realize till I got here that, you know, I was bigger, taller, but I couldn't put on a lot of weight, which is what you kind of needed for the H. So. Yeah. Um, I was really athletic and could run. They re- ended up moving me outside. But, yeah, the connection was made between walls um,
1: and Coach Seymour when you first got to the University of Montana, did you know how crazy this culture was for football? or I, I mean, I know you came from University of Oklahoma, Oklahoma right. State's crazy down there. But were you shocked by this little town in montana and, and all the people that loved it and the culture and the, I guess tradition? I was, and I have a crazy story for you. This actually, this circle, this story just came full circle
2: this year at one of the games before the pregame tailgate show. But so 2015, I got my offer March, 2015, ending of the end of my junior season, the spring of my junior junior year. Um, I remember I got the offer and I told my mom like immediately, I was like, I want to commit. Like, I want to go to Montana. And she was like, no, you know, that's Montana. She had been through the process with my brother, like taking business and stuff. So she kind of knew like, you don't just want to jump on the first offer because, you know, there's so many things that could change. Also, it's Montana, 23 hour away for us. You know, like that's a big ditch cold. Yeah. (laughs) All these things that, you know, I can't experience until I'm out here. So, you know, um, I had talked to a friend who had got offered who was at South Dakota and he um, had experienced getting offers from Missouri Valley team. So. He felt that I was going to get more Big Sky. And I, um, so I waited. July comes around. I didn't get any more Big Sky. That was my only, still my only offer. I had other D2s and like JUCOs, but Montana was like the main concrete offer that I had. Um, July, I'm like, mom, I want to commit. You know, the season's about to start. I'd like to take this off my mind. She's like, no, we're going to take a visit in a couple months. Like, you'll be good. So October, we finally took a visit. And funny enough, the Grizz actually lost. It was against Weber State. But um, I'll never forget. I was in the student section. A fan came up to me. He was like, hey, you're like, are you Sammy Kim from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma? Like, we need you. And I was like, me of all people, like, how does this guy know me? There's 25,000 fans, 24, whatever it was that day, like in the stadium. Like, how does this guy know who I am? Well, fast forward to this year at the tailgate show. I've told that story a couple of times too, but this guy came up to me and was like, you know how you always talk about that guy who came up to you in the stands and like told you you need to come here? That was me. And I was like, oh my God. Like I told this guy, I was like, you have no idea like what impact you had on me and like, how that affected my overall outlook on the Grizz fan base and just like me, like you, I, he made me want to come here. And that speaks directly to like what I experienced when I came and saw the Missoula fan base and just how rabid they were and just how, you know, how they, you know, how involved they were with the football team. I, it just, it spoke volumes to me and um, I never, I can never forget it.
1: What was that first winter like for you? Man. <laughs> was that was, tough?
2: It was so brutal. I guess like, that
1: fall too. I mean, you're practicing in the cold. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. I
2: remember. I remember. So me, Samori, Brennan, I'm trying to think about freshmen, Lewis Cowens, a bunch of us freshmen who, uh, Josh, Josh, Egbo, all of us who would hang out together. We used to put the, so we would put the Vaseline on our hands and then we would put the latex gloves on and then we would put our, our, football gloves on because that that like it was so cold and i don't know if it helped too much but we thought we had heard that that was what would help so that's what we did like every because we were playing scout team at that time so we put that on every day during scout team especially late october november you know so um it was definitely a culture shock and you know the snow oh my gosh like we get snow a little bit in oklahoma but it's gone like two three days max i remember my first winter 2016 going into 2017 i was like it just seems like the snow. They never turn the snow off. Like it's snowing forever. And I remember that 2017, it snowed until like April. Yeah. And I was like, what is this?
0: Like, I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it. But it was, it was definitely a, a different, a change of um scenery for sure. Well, let's get, we'll get into your football career at, at Montana, but here we are now 2024. Uh, you're still in Missoula. What, what what keeps you here? Why Why are you still in the cold and the freezing <laughs> on, on the sideline putting yourself in stressful situations.
2: Man, so I actually moved away uh briefly after I did the the, the the my pro day here and was at home for a little bit, you know, I feel like a lot of kids do that just go home, you know, to re I don't know, just to get things yeah. back centered um wanted to be around my family. I hadn't been around them in a long time. So I was back home for a couple months, but then, you know, my girl, my fiance now, she ended up getting a really solid job out here. She works for Hub International and we um We just realized that the opportunities out here for us are better, you know, because I went to school out here. I know more people out here. Obviously, I grew up in Broken Arrow, but I was a young kid um, when I really started to make waves and, you know, make relationships that would last in my life. Those all were made in Missoula. So, personally, on a personal on a personal level, I felt like it would be more advantageous for me to live in Missoula, and also my fiance's career path right now is in Missoula. So, um, it just made more sense for me to move to Missoula. And, you know, I love the community. I feel like it's an amazing community to raise a family to to be a, a citizen of this community. I, I just think it's awesome. I just think they rally around the school. They rally around their, their community. I mean, think about the podcast I'm on right now. You guys highlight the Missoula community and what great things people are doing in this community. So um, you guys speak volumes to this community. And this is part of the reason why I returned to the Missoula community for sure.
1: So as you've transitioned out of football, and again, we, we could talk about your career uh, so much. Uh, what, what are some of those opportunities that have come up for you? And and I know you're you want to be here, but what what is what is uh yeah been highlighted or came up that you're doing now? We don't even know what you're doing.
2: Okay, so um last year um I, I do a lot of DEI work um with diversity, equity, inclusion, and um Rajim Seabrook. I don't know if you guys yeah. know the name. He's been very instrumental in me getting in that line of work. I, uh, emceed a summit last year with him where they're highlighting a lot of the DEI efforts in the community. And, um, he was gracious enough. He was going to be the MC. And this is why I think it's so important for people to have mentors and people to have somebody that's looking out for them, that somebody who's looking out for the next generation Rajim Seabrook is always doing that. Um, he was going to be the MC for this, 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 um, DEI summit. And he knew that that was something that I was interested in and I wanted to get into, Um, he allowed me to be able to, and this was a paid summit, something that he was going to be paid for. So he ultimately... Pass the paycheck off to me for me to emcee it for him. I just, I just can't speak enough about him, but he allowed me to step in and do that for him. So that's a little bit of work that I've been doing, but also, you know, on the media side of things with football, Riley Corcoran has been gracious enough to be able to allow me to get into the media space and do the pregame and postgame tailgate show. And it's so minuscule, but I feel like the the reception that I've had from the fan base and the, the, the community has been amazing. And, you know, everybody talks about how, you know, they love to hear me on the radio. They, they appreciate the perspective that I bring. So, It's it's been amazing to do that. But really, um, I'm in graduate school now through the USFL. Um, That's been amazing. I'm studying sports psychology. So, you know, trying to get my master's degree, trying to do things in the community to help the youth, you know, further the youth that are coming behind us. I do some speaking now as well. I spoke at Florence this year. I also spoke at, um, um, where am I trying to say? Highway 1. Gosh, Braxton's hometown. Anaconda. 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 I spoke (laughs) at Anaconda the week leading up to the cat game. And um, it was great. I mean, Uh, Blake Hempstead. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I spoke there and um, it's uh, just really trying to ultimately what I'm trying to say is I don't so much know where my path is fully headed. I know I'm doing a lot of things right now. But um, really just trying to spread my wings and figure out where I really belong in this world because I am, you know, in that transition space of being probably on the back end of my football career and being on the next half of, you know, what my future career is going to be. So um, I've been trying to branch out and really um, figure out
0: where I fit in this world and trying to figure out my purpose. And you're also still playing ball. Yes. The Philadelphia Stars, which getting a paycheck now to play, it's yeah, yeah. awesome. Um, what's that experience been like?
2: Man, it's, it's been amazing, you know, I, I say this all the time to people, you know, it's not, not many people get to play after college. And of course, everybody would love to be in the NFL. I would love to be in the NFL. I work my butt off to make it to the NFL. I feel like I am good enough to yeah. play in the NFL. Ultimately, that's decision makers in the NFL who make that decision. All I can do is continue to work and keep my head down. But to be able to play in the USFL and be able to play football professionally for a paycheck, as you say, um, it's been amazing. You know, like um, I just can't say enough. You know, I'm, I'm just so gracious. And so I'm so grateful to be able to still play the game that I love at a high level. And, you know, to be able to learn from so many guys that have played in the NFL, so many guys that. I played against in the uh, in the big sky like Case Cookis, um, Aaron Rodriguez, like um, Tristan Thompson, so many of the guys that I that I played against in the big sky over the years. I, I tell this story all the time. I don't know if you guys know about Case Cookis. You remember 2017 Northern Arizona?
0: Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The quarterback
2: ejected? got ejected. Yeah. he's now my quarterback. That's awesome. <laughs> so I remember the first time he walked into the 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 meal room during the season last year. Um, I was just like, hey, man, do you do you know what I'm about to ask you about? He's like, yeah, 2017 when I got ejected. I was like, yeah, man, like, what were you thinking? He's like, I don't think I should have been ejected. But it was just, it, we, we had some fun banter about it. He's awesome. a great he's a great guy. But um, to play in the USFL, it's been, it's been amazing. It's really yeah. cool.
1: All right, now transitioning back to your career, do you have a moment or a game that stands out as maybe the most impactful memory that you have from your career, which there was a lot of moments. I know that's really hard yeah, to think it, about.
2: It is tough because personally, I feel like early on in my career, especially like 2018 when I had my breakout season, a lot of my breakout games were in losses. And then like 2019, I'm trying to think. I had a really good game, the first game of the season, but that doesn't really stand out to me. If I could really speak to a game that stood out to me, it probably wasn't even like a game where I shined, but it had to be 2021 Cat Grizz because before then I was 0-3 against the Cats. I think I might have had 30, 40 receiving yards, if that, during that game. But just the fact that the the stadium environment, I'll probably say this, the whole 21 season, because then we played Eastern Washington. I had a pretty good game against Eastern Washington. That was a big game, too, in the playoffs. And it was just like, just the moments we had that year where some of them were just super special, you know, getting the play Eastern Washington again that year and get the that redemption. was a fun,
0: fun playoff game. Oh, just,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: they were talking the a lot of trash.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, you know. So that's what made the Furman game this year so fun right. because yeah. of whether just we boosted the bulletin board material, bulletin is, board is material awesome. whether we boosted it up or not. You got to do that right. sometimes, you know, right. but um, that's what makes it great. And that's what made that game great. And then obviously the Cat Grizz game. That's always going to be amazing. So it that's was awesome.
0: awesome. Uh, you know, you had what? 30, 40 plus games in your career here in montana is there a a road game an environment that's just hostile you hated going to you hated their stadium you hated their locker rooms you just dreaded that road trip
2: the neighbors is it their locker room is just it's i mean it's just like a small locker room this is how i've remembered i only really played there once because i was hurt in 2019 when we went there so i really only got to play there once but um, the locker room is so small. There's just like chairs lined up and like around, there's no space. And then you're walking out, the student is right to your right. And then the fans are to your left, but like they're throwing things at you, spitting on you. Like it, it, they're vicious. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely the most hostile environment I've played in. And um, I love it, but you know, if I could speak to one hostile that's- environment, it's that for sure.
1: Well, what was that like coming from Oklahoma? And obviously there's a rich tradition of Montana players playing at the University of Montana. Did you mix well with the Montana kids? Was there any, you know, friction? you're not, yeah. Friction. You're not taking our spots or was it just like, Hey, we're, we're team.
2: Well, there was prob not, I'm not going to say friction, but there like there were some, we're not going to take our spots, but I put that on myself. You know, I feel like I personally came in probably a little cocky, a little big headed <laughs> and me and Keenan Curran laugh about this all the time because like I was just such a, a, a hard-headed young guy and I, I didn't understand the reins of being a, a a college football player, you know. As a high school player at your high school, think about this. You're the best player on the team, you know, like usually when you make it to D1 football, you were the best guy or one of the best players on your team. But then when you go to college, everybody in that locker room was that guy at their high school, you know, and I I, I felt like I was good and I still feel I still would stand on the fact that I felt like I was the best player in the room, but when you're coming in as a young guy, it's probably not the best the tactic to take to make friends, to make friends, you know, and you can ask Keenan about this. You can ask Horner about this Ask Mike Ralston, all the guys who were in the room with me at that time, they'll all, even the freshmen who were freshmen with me, they all agree. Sammy was, you know, cause I'm a, I'm a talkative guy. I, I love to have fun. I love to joke around, but you know, um, that probably played against me as a freshman, you know, when I'm the new guy coming in, they're like, who the heck is this guy? This guy hasn't proven anything. And it's so funny because when I became a veteran on the team, I started to understand that, like, no, like, I don't care how good you are. You got to earn your stripes on these guys because, like, I'm coming in. I haven't done any winter condo with these guys. I haven't done any off-season training. I haven't sweat with these guys. I haven't bled with these guys. I haven't cried with these guys. You know, once you get a couple years under your belt and then you have been through the program and you have, like, sweat, blood, tears, you have put in the hours. That's when you earn the respect. You earn it on the field. You earn it in the locker room. You earn it in the weight room. You don't earn it just by walking through the door and being who you are. Okay,
0: Sammy, I'm going there. Wasn't going to do this, but I am. Who is the greatest wide receiver all time, University of Montana? Man. Because you're tied for a record. Yeah, I am. Who you are. I am. Um, <sighs> That's tough. Let me rephrase it. Who's one of the guys you really look up to and respect? Just a ton of admiration for what he did for the game. I look up to Mark. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's a twofold answer because if you ask me who's the best, personally, I'm going to say Samori Touré. He didn't play a full career here, but if you look at that 2019 season and if you look at what he was probably going to do in 2020, 2021.
0: And where he is today and what he's doing. And where he is today today.
2: Like, I mean, and that's my brother. So, I mean, but Mark Mariani, I mean, the way he's revered on this campus and the way, you know, I looked up to all his stats as a freshman and, I never even imagined that I would be in the same conversation as him, you know, yeah. in terms of stats. But I mean, just the, just the allure that he has on this campus, the legend that he has on this campus, just the, the all the great moments that he had. I mean,
0: I think it's hard to put anybody above, above Mark Mariani. Uh, and you and Mark are tied, correct? For touchdowns. For most touchdowns versus Montana. Mm-hmm. Receiving, Receiving touchdowns. Receiving touchdowns. Yeah. Um, so there's that game, James Madison, you're on the road, playoffs where you had potential to break that record, to advance, to, take the grizz to the national championship and was it first drive first first drive drive of the game you go down with a shoulder injury i don't know who was more disappointed you or me and my son watching the game (laughs) in that moment um what what i mean for your college career to come to an end like that what what was that like
2: brutal brutal because man like I don't know, like, players talk about this all the time. Athletes talk about this all the time when you feel like, you know, that feeling, you know, things just feel good. That was our first pass of the game, which I did catch, even though I broke my collarbone. Like, a great fade route for, like, 30 yards, and we completed it. I felt really good. Like, I felt like that was going to be my moment, not only to, to break Mark's record, but for me to, like, be the reason why we go to the next round. Like, we've seen Junior do these last two games. Like, he is the reason why we're going to the National Championship, I personally believe along with everybody else on the team, but he's been a big part of why we're going to the national championship. And I felt like that James Madison game was going to be like me putting my stamp on my career at Montana, cementing myself with the record, you know, having a great game, taking us to the semifinals, you know, obviously it didn't play out like that, but it was just devastating. And then, you know, I come right. As I come out of the locker room, I watch cam slide and get knocked out of the game. So then, you know, as a player, you're hoping hopefully the win without me, but then we lose our starting quarterback. It's like, it just, the odds start to get stacked up against you. So, Um, It was just devastating. And I know how devastated fans were. And just like it just sucks to go out like that, man. You know,
0: Uh, you just mentioned him. How does Junior do it? What? Why are teams still kicking to him?
2: I don't know, man. What
0: what is it? (laughs) I
2: I don't know. Like that kid, that kid is is something special. I, I tell you right now, like the the his he never looks phased. he always seems calm cool and collected he's always under he's always able to control his his um emotions under pressure and I always relate back to the 2021 this is when I knew Junior had it I had been giving Junior some friendly banter all week that 2021 Cat Grizz game about like because a, a lot of people know he was committed to the cats he only switched over because Choate left so I always give him crap about that I'm like man like you and Tommy y'all were like Y'all were buddies. Like, you guys probably had a group chat together. These are things that I always told him about. And then he had that first play of the game in the 21 Cat Grizz game. And I, I came to him uh, in the locker room. We're having our meetings. And I was like, I tapped him. I was like, man, you might be one of us. And man, just like the, the, the poise that he has under pressure, his ability to always know when the moment is the biggest, when the lights are the brightest, his ability to always show up. I mean... I don't know if, I mean, I mean, it has to relate to his home upbringing, the way he, you know, where he's from, Billings Sr., him always being the guy at Billings Sr., coming up watching Gabe Solster do it the right way at Billings Sr., and then him, him coming up under him. You know, just, I mean, what we see Junior do, that's really in, innate in him. You know, that's inside of him. Not everybody has that, but, I mean, he's, he's special. You can't even really put words to it. He's, he's super special. Yeah.
1: Uh, the one time, so I, I'm a season ticket holder. I don't talk to the players, you know, they're 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. I'm not trying to yell at people, (laughs) but I will tell you this one thing. Uh, During the Cat Grizz game this year, Tommy got sacked on a rollout. Um, I think, I can't even remember who ran him down. It was awesome. And I was screaming at Tommy, you picked the wrong school. You picked the wrong school. (laughs) It was the only time I've ever yelled at a a player on the opposition, but um, that that tension is there. Um, I'm wondering, just from your perspective, I know you had – coach hauck and his regime for a few years and you also got um stit stit um who did a phenomenal job you know but what is it about hauck and his staff that continues to put our teams in a position to make deep runs like is there something unique special what are the practices like what's the culture like it seems like it's highly competitive yeah Um, but you? what was your perspective of, of him and the coaching staff and how they're getting these guys to play for a national championship game? Um,
2: it's very, I don't want to say business, like kind of like machine, like, like how keeps everything the same, you know, like I was just watching a video before I came in here, how called off pursuit drill. He was like, Merry Christmas, no pursuit drill. And that's probably the first time he's done that all year. Like, you know what you're going to do. You know, what's to be expected of you. He has high expectations of you, but. You're not unaware of what those expectations are. Hauk is very transparent with the players and letting them know what is to be expected. He always tells people as well, when you're the best player on the team, when you're the best player at that position, you will play. My job is predicated on us winning football games. So when you're the best player, he says that every fall camp when we go over the little manual book talking about I don't want helicopter parents and all these things. Like um, He's very transparent. He sets our goals out at the beginning of the season as well. Our goals for the season. Get your UM degree. Beat the neighbors win the um big sky conference and win the national championship they've done three of those so far this year well i don't know how what everybody's progress on getting their degree is but i'm sure everybody's (laughs) making great progress to it and then they beat the cats they won the big sky and now they got one more goal to but those goals are set out in front of you there's pillars as well i don't remember all the pillars right now i don't have the book right in front of me but there's pillars that he tells us that like it's just very business like very machine like to where everybody understands their expectations everybody understands like what is to be put on the table when you, when you come on the field, when you, when you go in the locker room, when you're going to study hall, like everything is. And, and I think that lends itself to success. And ultimately I just think coach Hauk is a great motivator. He knows how to get guys going. He knows what buttons to push. He knows what to say. I mean, he's just a great coach. And um, the proof is in
0: the pudding. Uh, I want to jump into our rapid fire questions about Missoula real quick, and then we'll come back to your career. So Sammy coming up to Montana, landing in Missoula, the very first time you step off that plane, What was your first initial memory or thought of Missoula, Montana? Man, just wow. Like, these are mountains.
2: You know, because I'm from Oklahoma (laughs) and I had never been, I had driven through, I think, places that had mountains, but I'd never really, like, I'm not really like, and you can ask my fiance about this. She hates this about me, but I'm not really the guy that's like, oh, look at the mountains. They're so beautiful. Look at the skyline in the back of the mountain. That might be because I'm from Oklahoma, but I'm not the guy who's always been like, look at the... So the fact to see mountains in person and just see how massive they were and just to see just like, dang, I'm really like in between these mountains, like about to go to a game and just like, I don't know. It was just awesome to me. It was just awesome.
1: Uh, Are you a coffee drinker? No, I'm not. Okay. All right. If you were to go get like a hot drink, hot cocoa, maybe... Is there a go-to coffee spot in town or, or shop that you'd go to? Man.
2: I don't know if I'd have one because yeah. I'm not a coffee drinker or <laughs> a hot drink drinker. I, for some anything. reason, I knew you weren't. But if I could say I'm a big breakfast guy. So Paul's Pancake oh. Parlor. Oh, my gosh. Is that your spot? That's oh. your restaurant? Dude. Yeah. amazing that place is awesome
1: <laughs> you like the mural of the, the washington State, oh yeah that's yet. all
2: just the everything about that place but the pancakes the eggs just their breakfast
0: it's amazing hometown cooking yeah good stuff oh yeah um i'm trying to create turf wars in missoula so what zip code do you live in uh 59801, 59801. og oh, yeah all right. okay uh, he, he's
1: 59803
0: i'm 04 yeah, okay three and i think I think we could beat five nine eight zero one in a game of football. But <laughs> oh, geez. No, yeah. um, what's the weirdest thing about Missoula to you? I mm. think these are some
1: tough
2: questions.
0: Missoula's weird. Yeah, a weird place.
2: But the weirdest thing,
0: or something weird, what?
2: something weird that I personally found weird, but I think it's awesome. But I think it's weird the fact that Coach Houck celebrates with the fans after games. Like I've never heard of that, and maybe that's yeah commonplace at a lot of colleges. But I, I I didn't know that, and I didn't like. I think that's so cool, and the fact that he went out, you know, after the cat game to celebrate with fans, so to be cool. a man of the people. I just think that's weird, but I think it's also awesome. Like like I love that. But that was probably something that was weird that perplexed me when I first yeah, saw it. Yeah,
1: born and bred Montana, and he just loves being with the people. Oh and yeah, he knows what it means to them. Oh I yeah, love that about him. Uh, what do you love most about Missoula? The community bar
2: none i mean the fans the, the 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 people a part of the community the fact that you know um they rally around anybody who's a part of this missoula community whether it be basketball players soccer players people like the missoula podcast doing great things in the community um Rajin seabrook just everybody in the community that makes it so great it's it, it's the people in the community that make missoula so amazing and um that is what's truly special
0: Sammy no doubt from your college education and even as a football player the number of books you've read from playbooks to textbooks is there a particular book you've read in your lifetime that has made a huge impact in your life or changed who you were man a book that changed my life
2: man I I don't know if I could speak to one book that that changed my life I Oh, man, I, I don't know if there's one that's Can't really let's go to the playbook.
0: My... Is there a specific play <laughs> when it was in the huddle and it was called? Sammy was like, oh, yeah, it's go time. Like, this is the play. Uh,
2: man. So there was this one play in 2018 that we had put in. It was a wrinkle off of a play that we had ran throughout the season. So we had this this. So it's a three three by one set. Think about the three side receivers. The farthest inside receiver was going to run a, a corner route, and the two outside receivers were going to run, run five yard ends. Okay. Well, the wrinkle off of it was I was the number two receiver. So if you're counting from outside in, one, two, three, number three is running the corner. I'm running the second um, five yard in. Well, the wrinkle off of it was I'm going to run the second five yard in and then branch up mm. to uh, a seam route wide open in the middle of the field. We ran against UC Davis. We ended up losing the game, but it was a great play. Um, It actually didn't happen so cleanly. I ran it. I was open. It worked perfectly. But Dalton had to scramble, hit me in the back of the end zone. It was still a touchdown. And, you know, that was awesome. And that was probably a play
1: where um, it was a a great play that made an impact on me. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Is there, um, this is so not a book, but is there a specific person that's been a, an incredible mentor to you in your life that you wouldn't be here today if it weren't for this person?
2: Man, uh, I talked about Regime Seabrook. He's been a great mentor to me, but if you were talking about who's made a great impact on my life, I personally gotta say Coach Pease and just the impact he's had on me, the trust he imparted on me. Um, you know, because I didn't have the greatest year in 2017 when Coach Pease and then were coming in here, but Coach Pease saw some potential in me and um ultimately fostered that with his with his mentorship and his his um just the way he was a great coach to me. He was hard on me, but he also believed in me and he showed that through how he put me out there. And, um, once I proved myself in 2018, he ultimately made me a starter when we had a senior who was having me, Keenan Kernan was ahead of me, my big brother, you know? Um, so coach Pease has made a, a profound effect on my life, has had a profound effect on my life. And, um, I always tell people I feel forever indebted to him because, you know, obviously the Stitt offense and the Stitt coaches, I feel so grateful that they recruited me here. I wouldn't be here without them. But the changes and the the things that Coach Houck and Coach Pease implemented when they got here ultimately is what I feel like propelled my career forward. So um, I feel grateful for him um, eternally.
0: We're just a couple of days away from National Championship down in Frisco. Are are you making the trip? Are you going to be there?
2: Man, I, I don't know right now if I'm gonna make the trip. Uh, me and my fiance are planning a wedding, so it's gonna be tough. But um, that would be amazing if I could. But I'll be rooting them on no matter what. Do you? Uh, do you have a prediction for us? I'm predicting a Grizz dub. I can't give you guys the reasonings why. I had a strong feeling last night with my fiance, but I'm not gonna give you guys the reasonings why. But I I, I I'm I'm feeling like a Grizz dub. You want me to give a score prediction, or no, just a prediction.
0: Let's go. Yeah, Let's go. Give right. us a score. Give us a score. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some insight. He knows some things.
2: For a score prediction, I would keep it real low and say 24 to 21,
0: Grizz. I like it. Can we avoid overtime, please? I, I hope. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle another no. one.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, well, we we just have been so blessed to watch you play football and then now to see your media career take off and – you just have this magnetic personality that people gravitate towards and you're just fun. You're just fun. Um, but I, as I remember watching you as a grizzly, I couldn't believe how open you got a lot of times, or if you weren't open, how you outran people. Cause you didn't look that fast, but all yeah. of a sudden you're, you're getting distance. But what do you <laughs> think made you an elite receiver for the Grizz? Was there something specific that you did day in and day out or, or what attribute did you have, just You found your way to the end zone a lot. Man, I tell
2: people this all the time. Um, as I told you guys earlier, my brother was the more athletic one of both of us. Um, but what I had that I felt like I kind of had a leg up on him and a leg up on a lot of people was I had, you know, the height and I had enough speed. But I put in the work, you know, when I knew that football was going to be an opportunity for me, when I knew that it was going to be a way for me to get a college education and for me to, you know, further my football career. I put in the work, and even after 2017, when Coach Houck and Coach Pease got here, and this relates back to the last question you guys had about the mentorship. Coach Pease came here in 2017, and he implemented this thing where all the receivers had to get a thousand catches by the by the time spring ball starts. So that's really only a month and a half. You know, we got we're, we at that time. I think we were still doing six week winter break, so it might have been like we only had like six weeks to get this done before spring ball starts at the beginning of march but um we all had to get a thousand catches but also he made it the, the the fact that you know we could only get we only get we could only do 100 catches a day so we couldn't get like 200 300 catches in one day and you know be 70 uh, percent consistency yeah he wanted consistency but what we i don't know if we picked up on this at the time but he's teaching us that cons- consistency he's teaching us how to work daily he's teaching us to do the little things every day like get catches in and i ended up doing that you know i would stay after practices after that i would run by myself after practice so you know i feel like you know i had enough talent but it was my work ethic that truly propelled me to be the player that i was because i didn't feel like i was always the most talented i had samori Touri on the other side of me that dude is ultra talented like he's got dumb talent with just by waking up in the morning like he's talented so you know i had to work to i felt like i had to work to stay up with everybody to keep up with everybody and um that's ultimately what i attribute all of my success to is my work ethic
0: growing up as a kid uh watching the nfl was there a particular receiver that you just looked up to admired and hoped someday i want to be i want to be him no
2: there wasn't a receiver um because because as a kid i was a i was a running back until seventh grade and you know i kept growing and they started telling me you know like running backs aren't that tall, you know, so you, you might have to switch positions in eighth grade. I ended up moving to receiver, but the player that I looked up to as a young kid, most of the time was the Danian Tomlinson. So that's the guy who, you know, I, he comes to mind when people ask me who I thought of as a, as a kid. And to be honest, this might be crazy, but I didn't watch a ton of NFL football as a kid. Like it wasn't that it, it wasn't until I became really good in football, really late in high school and in college that I really started to dive into NFL football and even more college football and, really developed a true love for the game and started studying it deeply. And obviously in college, you have to study the game deeper because there's going to be more coverages. There's going to be more things that you have to know. So is your
0: perception of the game or your perception of football more just a game, or do you view it as a business? Do you have a completely different perception than probably the average fan?
2: I do because, you know, I am looking at the, the, what do you mean by business? Well, I mean cuz
0: now it's about contracts, paycheck, yeah. it's your job. You got to show up to work when you don't feel like it. Yes. Like yes, you're playing a game, but in your mind is it oh, I just gotta go out and play a game today or is it like oh, I got to go to work?
2: No, I wouldn't say it's oh, I got to go out to work. Obviously that's in the back of your head. You're still getting a paycheck, but ultimately I do love the game. And it does get that for some players. Like some players are out there like oh, I'm, I'm here to work. I'm here for to provide for my family, but it's kind of twofold. You love the game, but also this is how you provide for your family. So yeah. it's like you can't help. I mean, in professional sports, you can't help but look at the business side of things. I mean, we see it in the NFL all the time. It's like, why isn't this guy playing? Why isn't this guy, why is this guy a free agent? Why is this, you know, all these things, the business, if you don't take heed to the business, the business will take over you. So you have to give it its rightful respect and understand that that plays a critical role in everything that's going on in the NFL in the USFL in the XFL, whatever it is. But, um, I ultimately have a love for the game and um, appreciate the fact that I'm still playing the game. So I try not to let that get in my head because, you know, pro sports are stressful in itself. If you let the business, and I could go real deep about this too, because I did struggle with some anxiety, you know, the beginning of uh, the USFL training camp. But if you let that stuff rule your mind, it'll ruin you. So you have to keep the game, keep the main thing, the main thing. Obviously the business is there, but um, when I'm watching it, that's not so much what I'm thinking
1: about. So, On a a lot lower level, Brandon and I are basketball coaches. And one of the hardest parts about that is there's so many fans or parents that think they understand the game. Oh, yeah. And so as somebody who played and knows the game of football and now analyzes the game of football, what is the most frustrating thing that you hear from fans that you're like, you don't know what you're talking about? And I'm not trying to alienate or call out any fans, but you know, just something that you're like, Y'all don't know what you're talking about.
2: I'll use my fiance. Last (laughs) night we were watching the game and a ball got batted down and she had thought one of the guys um, could have caught it. And uh, I was like, yeah, so get off his back or something. And she was going off on him and going like, oh, he should have caught that. He should have caught that. And then another guy later in the game ended up catching a pass. And she was like, that's what he should have done. I was like, yeah, but his got batted down. So it's not the same situation. And it's just outside of that situation. There's so many times that fans mention like, oh, this guy didn't, uh, like, he's not performing up to his level. He's not doing this right. He's not doing this right. There are so many things on these guys' plates, mentally, physically. I mean, it, it, you, you can't possibly understand. So you, you have to take it light on these guys. I mean, it, it just, it just, it just doesn't make sense sometimes when fans go after the players, when they have no idea what kind of pressure what kind of scrutiny what kind of things these guys are going through on a weekly basis especially being student athletes these guys have school these guys have the the fan base these guys have the game to plan for i mean some of these guys are taking 16 17 18 credits like five courses six courses so you know um these guys are trying to get their education trying to plan for their future while also trying to focus on football it's just it's just so much on their plate and um i think fans can get ahead of themselves Sammy I owe you an apology
0: then because I've been that fan I remember saying Sammy suck it up your collarbone's fine just get back out there <laughs> we need you just suck it up
2: trust me if I could I would've I swear <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> yeah I remember the, the camera panning over to you on the sideline oh, you were just coat so, on and just, oh my gosh man, I just felt so bad
2: everybody said you. they kept showing me on the camera and stuff.
0: <laughs> I
1: was, we were down in like
0: Arizona and I, I remember we were watching it and I just it sucked the air out of the room it was devastating I was like no Sammy No. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I mean, and and just to go on top of what you said, Sammy, that's one of the things why I don't talk to the players because they're young, number one, and they're more successful at managing school, relationships, practice, games, 26,000 people yelling at them. They're more successful than most people yelling at them. Right. And and so it was just so
2: unfair. And can I say this? The, The thing that gets me the most is like, do you guys think you care more than them? Yeah, exactly. Do you really think you yeah. care more than them? That's
0: a good point. Exactly. Like, these
2: guys work their butts off, sweating day and night to be able to put this product on the field for you guys. Yeah. Sometimes they're going to come up short. But the fact that as a fan, if you think you care about this win or loss more than they do, you're due to Chris. Here's
0: the Amen. other part.
1: <laughs> they're just kids. They're, they're kids. 19
0: years old. They're, they're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. You know, I think we forget that. We but do. But-
1: we do. Man, yeah, I wish, I, I'm glad 26,000 people don't show up to watch me do my job and I'm right. time. Right, I was
2: talking to my fiance about this because I always relate back to Dalton Sneed. Um, he threw the five picks in Weber State. Devastating way to end his career. Amazing player. But um, his DMs and, you know, his comments were really blown up after that game, people talking crazy to him. But I always said, as somebody who was hurt for that game, but watched, I was in Weber with the team there that, that for that game, watching that game. Uh, first off, a lot of people don't know this, ton of our players have food. Uh, food poisoning for that game I can name tons of players who have food poisoning for that game and still played a ton of our team was sick I got sick even and I wasn't even playing but um uh, Dalton we're not even in that game we're not even in the playoffs if Dalton isn't our quarterback like obviously Cam had to spell him a little bit that year but Dalton was our guy Dalton was the guy we all had faith in Dalton and like I just think that gets goes over people's head is like yes he had a bad game to end his career Yes, obviously it stinks that that's the way our 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 season ended. Five interceptions, that hurts. But like we aren't even sniffing the quarterfinals that season if Dalton's not our starting quarterback. So, you know, um, that's how I feel. Um, I feel like uh it goes over people's heads and um sometimes they just need to pump the brakes, man.
1: Yeah. Um what what's that like? And you know, I know we're we're running low on time, but I'm just having such a great time. Yeah. What's it like for uh Clifton McDowell? to take over in the middle of the season, go on this incredible run. But what's that transition like in a locker room where you think you got the guy, you know, at quarterback and then things aren't working and then you got to rally around another guy. Did you have to go through any of that? And, and like, how is, how does that work inside the locker room? How do you manage that well?
2: For um, team? I didn't necessarily have to go through that because when Dalton got hurt, we knew he would eventually come back, but we knew Cam was well enough. You know, Cam was undefeated for so long when he started his career. Um, We knew he could get the job done. Um, So I never went through that. But to watch them go through this this year in the locker room, um, you know, you think you have the guy to begin the season. You're kind of playing two quarterbacks trying to fill it out. But I think as as a player in the locker room, once you see that Clifton and the team are most successful when Clifton and the team is in there, I think that's how the, excuse me, I think that's how the team rallies around him. I think it does nothing but, you know, charge the team up as we keep winning as he's the quarterback, whether it looks pretty or it doesn't. You know, we are winning with this guy under center. So we're going to – I mean, that's just going to – every win, every great moment, every big moment just charges the team and the the players up more to where it's like, man, like this guy, somehow, some way, every time this guy's under center, we find a way to win. So I think it just does nothing but just charge the team up and motivate them more and more. They with did every-
0: it. I don't know if it was a week four or five. Steve and I were talking after the NAU game. I was just like, ooh, it's going to be a rough season. We're just yeah. not looking good. And something – Something flipped, and yeah. then you just keep winning, and then we go to Idaho, win that game, and we haven't been on the road since. I mean, we have been home for what the last six weeks.
1: I think, yeah, we went Portland, Portland State. State. Oh, and we did, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but just we've been Set home for ourselves a up, yeah, for just to be at home, not have to travel. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's because amazing because the guys rallied around Clifton, and they all haven't been pretty, but oh yeah, we got it done
2: though. Got, got it done, we'll <laughs> it, take and take it's it. it's crazy because you say they all haven't been pretty, but. Really, a lot of them have been pretty. Really, the last two are the only two that really right. haven't been as pretty. And when we've we've noticed that, like, oh, there's some flaws here and there. But truthfully, if you really look back at the games and if you're really analyzing the games, which everybody's not, but there were holes in this team the whole year. They were just rolling teams. There's just now.
0: Well, Sammy, we're Grizz fans. The expectation is we win by third right. every Saturday. Right, right, right. So if that doesn't happen, it's not ready. Right, 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 Um, But I mean, we're playing some of the best teams
2: in the country now. Yeah. Obviously, we have good teams in the big sky, but you're getting all everybody's best shot, all the best teams in the country. Furman, great defense. NDSU, we, we, I don't have to say much about NDSU. They're a great team. So the fact that these have been close games, um, I think it honestly speaks volumes to this team because think how many times we were in close games earlier in the Hauk uh, yeah. season, in my career during, yeah. under Hauk. We had many close games. We didn't come out with a win. Commend this team, commend Clifton for them to be able to stick it through when it does get tough and come out the win. Because you guys have been fans way longer than I've even been associated with this school. You know there's been times where it's like they just couldn't come out on top. Also, let's talk about the fact that years and years, over and over, we always lost our starting quarterback. Is it uh, amazing that the one year our starting quarterback plays the whole season, we make it to the national championship? Exactly. I don't think so. So. You know, some luck plays into the fact, and people always talk about luck. There's
0: definitely some luck. You know, the ball flies the right way here. You know, the quarterback misses a throw there. Two-point conversion gets tipped by the right guy to Planned in the right guy's hands. You know, any
2: good team that's won a championship that's been far in a a deep playoff run, there was luck that played a part into it. But ultimately, you know, when you work hard, when you put in the work, when you execute at a high level, luck is always going to find you.
1: I like that. You know. I like that. I think that's a a beautiful way to end this show and we're so excited for the game coming up and thank you for all that you've done in our community. Thank you guys for having me on here. Thank you for taking that flyer on coming up to Missoula and braving the winners and, and just a pleasure to watch you play. And now to see you develop into a media star, um, we're, we're rude on, man. And we're just so grateful to have you into the studio. Thank thank you guys. Thanks
0: for being here. It's been a pleasure watching you, getting to know you and
1: yeah. Always
0: be a fan of number 18. Man, thank you guys for having me. This is awesome.